Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family, planting churches together. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. Today, we're talking with Clint Clifton, lead pastor of Pillar Church in Virginia, about how his church does residency programs for potential church planters. Clint, it's good to be with you. Thanks, man. Man, I want to jump right in and talk about residency. You are our residency guru. You are Yoda. You're the person who's been doing it. And you're the person that, like, we look to in a lot of ways to help us begin residencies. You know, one of our core values is that we we value and we want to see multiplying churches. And the way we define multiplying churches are discovering, developing, and deploying church planting teams from within. Yeah. That if we're going to keep seeing church planters, that we got to raise them up from within. Yeah. And residencies is one of the key ways that we do that. And yeah. you've been doing it. Talk to me a little bit about the journey of how you've been a part of doing residencies and starting, helping others start residencies. Yeah. Well, the church I started, uh, it's called Pillar. And when we started, of course, the church was really small. I was 23 when I started the church. And so I really, you know, there, there was, we didn't have anything to attract anyone to come learn from us. Mm. Plus, I didn't know what I was doing at all, you know, so. Um, but but we started in the beginning, you know, just, just attempting to equip our regular members with the understanding that we're in a military base, with the understanding that you're gonna be somewhere else soon, mm. you know, whether you like it or not, you're gonna be gone. And when you are, maybe the Lord will put you in a position where you could be used to start a new church, yeah. and I want you to be equipped if you find yourself in that position. That That's basically where it started yeah. for us. And so I was trying to figure out ways to equip regular members to begin to see themselves as potentially church planters in the future. And even, I mean, those, you know, for most of those guys, that was a long shot, but they were willing to go through that preparation process anyway. And so that's how it started for us. Yeah, I mean, very similar. Like, it's like for me, just when you build in, you, you're talking about military bases. I started off ministry in college ministry. Yeah, same. Very and it's kind of like, you know, I got them for a couple of years, <laughs> yeah. and then they could, they're, they're going to literally, you literally be deployed, yeah. you know, out. And so you kind of had uh, every member of residency. I mean, how did you decide yeah. that, like, who would be in the residencies? Mm-hmm. It was just anybody that was willing. How In those early days, what did that look like? Yeah, no, it wasn't, wasn't every member at all, but basically my grid was, um, do they meet the biblical qualifications I see in Timothy, Titus, and Peter? And if they do, I don't want to worry if they're called. You know, I think we think about calling in a really strange way. It's really mystical or subjective. And uh, so I wasn't thinking about if they're called. I was just thinking about if they're qualified. Mm. And so when I would see a man in my congregation who was um, pastoral in his household, he loved his family, he shepherded his kids, he was pastoral with the people around him. I saw those shepherding qualities in them. I would just sit down with the dude and say, hey, man, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed that you have the, the kind of makeup or the gifting of a pastor. Mm-hmm. I think God might use that in the future to call you to lead a new church or mm-hmm. to, to start a church. If he does, I want you to be ready for that, and I want you to have had some of the experiences that are, um, are going to equip you for that work while you're here. So you're just here for a short time. So I, if, if it's cool with you, I'd like to spend a little bit of time with you and give you some opportunities to preach and teach and do some of those mu- muscle movements that, that pastors do so that you have some experience in that so that God might use that later. So were these residencies one-on-one? Were they, did you have multiple 
people doing it? Yeah. Were they cohort format? Like what? Yeah, what was in the beginning, they were 100% one-on-one. So basically, I, I, in terms of content, uh, when we were doing this 15 years ago, there was there wasn't any content or the only content was Keller's content and it was so heady that I couldn't do anything. You know, I I couldn't even read it much less, much less use it. Uh, But so um, what we ended up doing was I wrote individual articles to the particular church planter. So I would prepare like I was preparing for a sermon with the individual needs that I knew those guys had, their weaknesses, the things, the life dominating sins that I felt like they needed to overcome the things about missiology and the gospel that I felt like they needed to understand. And so I would, with a guy in mind, you know, I've got Brian O'Day in mind or Roy Garza in mind, I would sit down in preparation for that meeting and write out thoughts for them and then just go and meet with them and walk through How long did thoughts. you do it that way? Like oh, man. Like one-on-one, that kind of format? <laughs> yeah, at least six years or seven years. Yeah, yeah. that was how it, it, the whole thing was. And in fact, um, uh, I ended up, compiling a book called Church Planning Thresholds, and that book is just those articles organized, you know. So it ended up being about 40 articles that I had written, you know, to individual church planters, and then we went through on the back end and said, okay, how do we uh, depersonalize this a little bit so it's not about this guy or that guy, mm-hmm. but we take the principles out of it and, and hone it down. So we that's that's how the book came about. So six, seven years, how long, how many guys? Yeah. How many guys were yeah, so our church is uh, just about to have our 15th um, birthday, and uh, we've started 16 churches over those years. And then those churches have multiplied. I think we have a total of 28 in our family of churches. So those churches we've planted have planted almost as many as we have as a church. That's it's amazing. been really exciting. And I love the fact that you said, like, qualified. We Let God worry about the calling. Are yeah. you qualified? And let yeah. me pour into the, to the qualified. I think if there's one thing I'd say to pastors who want to multiply their churches that um, don't know where to start, it's, it's exactly that. Do, do not worry about calling. Calling works itself out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, calling works itself out often in opportunity and circumstance. So if a person goes from, you know, point A where they're being equipped and poured into to point B, and they find themselves in a place where there are no churches around them and there's no gospel happening, no gospel ministry happening, the Lord can use that circumstance to begin to to draw out a desire and aspiration. You know, at the beginning of Timothy, uh, he talks about aspiration and desire. Uh, you know, those things are born sometimes in circumstance. So I just say, like, do the equipping. Don't You pour in. Don't worry about the output. You know? Yeah. I mean, do you have, like, a percentage of how many people, like, you poured into, like, Man, I poured into 30 people yeah. and 10 of them are pastors. I poured into 30 and all 30 are like, I mean, is there... It seems like I should answer that question by saying, yeah, it's about half or less. It's not, though. It's almost all of them. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. I look back, the guys that I did that with, they're all pastors right now. Mm. And um, it's it's amazing. <clears throat> One of the other things that's interesting to me is the way the conversation begins is critical. We, as pastors, we're usually expecting someone to come to us and say, hey, pastor, I feel God calling me to start a church or to be a pastor. What do I do? And then we respond. That's not the way it's supposed to work, though, in my in my view. Uh, as a pastor of a person, I can go to them and say, you know, hey, Dahadi, I've noticed you're shepherding your family well, you're evangelizing your neighbors, you're bringing friends to church, you're a great small group leader, you're shepherding those people really well. Those are the qualities I've seen God use to make a great pastor. Mm-hmm. Those are the raw materials that I think God could use to make a great yeah. pastor. I don't know if God's calling you to that or not. I have no idea. But I know that if you ever wanted that, if you had the aspiration, like Timothy says here, uh, your pastor, me, would be 
eager to help prepare you and give you opportunities to preach and teach and learn and grow. I'm loving this. Yeah. I'm loving this. Tell me this. When did you go from one-on-one to... Yeah, group. Group. At, at the church I planted, we haven't made that transition and probably won't make that transition. I really believe in the one-on-one thing. Yeah. Um, now, um, in in recent years, uh, as, you, as you said, uh, churches have been contacting me saying, how do you do this? And I've been going to help much, much larger much more um, resource-heavy churches uh, uh, begin residencies. And of course, uh, most of those churches have a personality associated with them, a, a senior pastor or somebody on their staff that people want to learn from, and so there's, there's an attraction uh, to them. And uh, in, in situations like that, you know, it's it's a little bit of a different setup, but but we have done sort of cohort style, and it, it can work too. I think the key is the 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 uh, the curriculum. You know, like what are you going to use? Sin Network's done a great job p- compiling some stuff. We got the the pipeline uh, stuff, and we've got Sin Network training. Those are fantastic. But before those existed. Uh, several churches that I was working with were using thresholds. The material we used in our church, they just did it in more of a group setting. Um, other, like I mentioned, Keller's material has been used. There, there's several other churches that have developed at this point have developed pretty good re- residency material. But I think the key is the foundation of all of that is a syllabus because really we don't just want head, we want hands, heart, head, right? right. In that equipping. So I want to think about how I'm going to you know, intellectually stimulate them and help them grow theologically and methodologically in all those ways. But I also want to stimulate their heart. I want to inspire them. I want to, I want to um, stoke the, the flames of passion for Christ and fervor for Christ in them. Uh, and I want them to have experiences. So in, in our residency and in the residencies that I've helped start, we, we have a list of experiences that we want them to have. We want them to have the experience of of sitting with someone who's dying. We want them to have the experience of, of uh, preparing a sermon and delivering it and being and that sermon being debriefed. We want them to have the experience of leading somebody to Jesus. We want them to have an experience of starting a small group from scratch without anybody from their church involved in it. You know, yeah. so those just seem like some fundamental experiences we want them to have. Do you differentiate between someone you're discipling as a leader and someone who you're you're doing a residency with, and if so, what are the differentiations? Or is it just kind of anybody that you're doing one on one? It's primarily it is the residency, yeah. and that's how you just kind of, you know, yeah. select your. I found value in focusing on a specific thing rather than a general thing. So I'm training future church planters okay. in my mind okay. now. I don't know what they're going to become. Again, that's focusing right. on the input, not the output. Right. I, I don't know what they're going to become, but I'm equipping everyone I'm discipling toward to planting a new church. Yeah. And many of the people that I'm working with will would say to me, I'm not going to plant a church. I'm not, I don't think I'm gifted for that. I don't think I'm called mm-hmm. to that. That's fine, but I'm preparing you for that. Right. If you're going to sit and listen, that's what we're talking about. Right. No, <laughs> because I can't hit multiple targets at the same right. time. Right. And I've found that more often than not, if I train somebody for a specific thing, they end up doing that. This is this is it's so interesting to me. When I became I became a Christian on a Thursday when I was 15 years old, okay, at a, at a youth camp, and um, that Sunday I went to my church, my new church that I had gone to the youth camp with, and I you know walked the aisle and said I'm a Christian now. That Sunday night I was giving my testimony before the congregation. And after church that Sunday night, my, my new pastor said to me, "You need to come tomorrow morning before school. I'm going to start. I'm going to. I'm going to start discipling you." I didn't really know what discipling mm-hmm. was. I'm 15. You know, I show up and um, 
early in the morning before school, and he starts equipping me, and he gives me a book called Called and Accountable by Henry Blackaby. And it, I now know that it's a book f- uh, that's used to prepare f- pastors. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a Christian for four days, and he gives me, and, and he starts discipling me toward pastoral ministry. Yeah. It, my fourth day as a Christian yeah. when I was 15 years old, and I didn't know any better. Yeah. I didn't even know what he was doing. Yeah. And I look back on that now, and I'm like, he's nuts. Yeah. But he told me in those first meetings what I was going to do with the rest of my life, and I'm doing it. I'm yeah. doing it right now. Yeah. I've been yeah. doing it every day. I wake up every morning thinking about multiplying churches. I go to bed every night thinking about multiplying churches. And I, I, I can't disconnect the fact that he did that with me from the reality of what I'm doing right now. And I think we underestimate a lot just the the what it how powerful it can be to believe in somebody and specifically say I'm going to equip you and prepare you for this thing and not worry with do you want to do it or do you feel called. I feel like all that that calling language just muddies the water and it makes everybody kind of look inside themselves for something. Just, you know, just Give people you're discipling something to go do. They may not do it. It doesn't matter. But give them something to do. Yeah. Do you have a certain limit how many guys you you do individually per year? Uh, Yeah. At our church, uh, we've never done more than like two or three a year. But that residency is the ramp up to to the actually church planting. So so we're, we're pretty sure by the time they get to that point, that at now, now this wasn't true in the beginning, but now we're pretty sure that they're actually going to plant. So we're just kind of taking them on that, that, that journey. I love what you're talking about. I mean, the idea of like every potential member, it seems like most residency is more so recruiting, like get a personality type, draw them in. It's more attractional mm-hmm. based. Like what, how would you say is the difference as people who are more like that? Like mm-hmm. I don't have the platform. I don't have, but I have this desire. How would you encourage them to, yeah. that, that desire to start a residency? Yeah. Well, I would say the best thing that ever happened to me is I didn't have a platform when I started this because it forced me to look inside my congregation for potential church planners. I think the easy path, you know, it's not easy, but the easier path mm-hmm. is having a magnet that, that draws people. Right now I'm working with McLean Bible and I'm running their residency. Uh, David Platt's there as the mm-hmm. pastor. Of course, there's young guys lined up to go serve there and and work with just for the hope that they'd get ten minutes in a room with him and learn about preaching and get some of, you know, some of what he's got. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but the 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 reality is, um, if I can, if I can go to somebody, and really, what it comes down to is, I want. I want people to receive their calling to pastoral work or the assuredness that God's calling them to do this. I want them to receive that in my church, yeah. under my ministry, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, when they do that, then then I, I and I have a personal discipling relationship with wow. them. I mean, those guys who are out there that I originally sat down with and said, I think God, you know, I, I want to equip you and prepare you. And now they're out there pastoring mm-hmm. and planting churches. Uh, those guys, when they have a need or a concern or a trouble, they contact me. Yeah. I mean, we're it's like we're we're you build bone, a lifelong yeah. friendship, a lifelong relationship. Yeah, and yeah that's just a bond that is it's hard to build with just kind of throwing out a personality and being able to draw. Yeah. Let me, you know, so there's all different types of people. There's all different types of residencies. You've been a part of helping a lot of people start residencies. Mm-hmm. What are some things that people need to consider? Yeah. You know, in starting a residency, well, you know, what what would you? First of all, I'd say um, you don't do it in the beginning without any money. So 
if you expect me to say, well, you need this much money to get started, I think you'll do it better if you start it uh, without money. Uh, so don't pay your residents um, and don't make it expensive. You know, don't just do it simply first. Uh, I love GK. Go get a job. Tell them to go get a job. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, the guys in your church have jobs, yeah. right? So just train the guys in your church that already have jobs. Okay. Uh, so uh, I love GK Chesterton on this subject. He says, um, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly at first. Mm. And I think that's brilliant because, I mean, his argument really is is not that we should do things poorly, but that some things are ours to do. It's not to be given away to somebody else. So, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, a mom and dad, it's their job to parent their kids. Even if somebody could parent better, you don't give it away. It's your job. So even if you do it poorly at first, you got to do it because the doing it helps you get better and better and better. And every, every cycle, you're going to get a little bit better. You're going to learn a little bit more. And so I just think we've been doing this now 15 years. And do I do it better than I did 15 years ago? Holy smokes, yeah, of course. We do it way better. Um, but am I, do I regret what we did in the beginning? No, because every time we did something, every planter we failed with or messed up with or did something wrong with was a step in the process of us becoming equipped to do it really well. So. What are some of the most commonly asked questions as people – that you're consulting with yeah. that are doing residency. Like, I've, I've got a residency up and going. Man, I'm thinking through, I need to hit the restart button. And they ask you this question, like, what are some of yeah. the most common questions? Yeah, the biggest concern that people have is that they're not going to have the right um, substance when people get there. Like, yeah. what do I teach? Yeah. So Nam's tried to answer that question with, with pipeline material and S&T. Awesome. Uh, but I would just say every pastor has something to teach. You know, even, even if you've not planted the church you're in, you've learned lessons about pastoral ministry. So I would say um, a syllabus is a great place to start. Rather than thinking about a curriculum, think about a syllabus. So think about the books that have most impacted you in ministry and the uh, the, the kind of videos and just everything. I, I our, our residency literally is just this hodgepodge of articles and even photographs I've taken of, of charts and things over the years that have made an impact on me and that I really believe in deeply or that resonate with me deeply. Um, things from as practical as like how to schedule out my week to as theological as how to study the word when I'm preparing a sermon. All those things are kind of thrown in there and they're categorized and I walk through all that stuff. And I just want to give somebody, you know, like when, uh, when, I, when I was growing up, my grandfather gave me his tool box and it was a homemade toolbox and it had like old used tools in it well that's way more precious to me than if somebody gave me a you know a brand new snap-on you know big thing with yeah. a bunch of tools in it yeah. it's because it's personal and so I want to give them the stuff that that's mine you so know? you're what I mean you said you start with you because yeah. a lot of times we try to say okay what do they need yeah you're saying no what did I need yeah. what was most formative to me and let me just share that right. with you basically sharing your life absolutely with them yeah and, yeah. and again I want to make sure it's hands heart and head. I think I think what tends to happen in residencies is they're either head uh, or their hands. Hands would be like, just do what I do, watch me, follow me, you know, mimic me. Um, and then then head would be like read these books, write these reflection papers. And I think I think those are valuable, but but they're really valuable altogether because you know, pastoral ministry is a holistic thing, you know. Yeah. I love it. So if people want to get more information, you know, about residencies, I know we have them on our website, you know, about like we're going to be having like where to find residencies, yeah. a lot more information, some stuff that you're going to be, you know, helping us out yeah. with. I mean, but like, where would you send them to? Yeah. Um, you know, 
finding churches that are doing it well from within, so smaller churches who have been doing residencies for a longer time. I mean, I think of churches in my region that are doing that. Learning from a pastor who's doing it and has been doing it for a long time is 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 great. I even think, you know, in our city, we have uh, Capitol Hill and Mark Dever. His is very much a head residency. You know, mm-hmm. they're observing the church, but they're, they're learning and reading and writing. But over 20 years of doing this, they've produced you know, a hundred or more pastors that many of them are working in our region. They've, they have in a very tangible way changed the city, affected the city in a very, very real way, just because of consistently churning out every six months, uh, a set of residents. And so I just think get with a pastor who's been doing it for a long time, learn from them, find somebody you respect and go learn from them. But there are places I have a syllabus. You can email me and I can send you a a syllabus. It's like a baseline syllabus that you can take that and go in and change it. Of course, NAM has things like that. Even some of the state conventions are developing that stuff now. I'm super excited about all the people that are pitching into this now. It's awesome. Yeah. Man, I appreciate it. Yeah. That's why you're Yoda. <laughs> the guru. Well, appreciate it, man. Okay. You have been listening to We Are Sin Network, a resource of the North American Mission Board. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com. <laughs>